to the disciples on how to pray. They came requesting Luke 11 verse 1 saying, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. His response to that, at least in one place, it, uh, he responds in Luke, but uh, a, a more of a detailed account is given in Matthew chapter 6. So in response to that, Matthew chapter 6 beginning with verse 9, he said, After this manner therefore pray ye, O Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Prayer is one of the greatest blessings in this life that we can have, that the Christian can have. The opportunity to go before the throne of God and petition and request and uh, praise and honor and worship. And that's uh, given to the Christian for a reason. Now I want us to notice just a few general observations about this model prayer. The model was given prior to Christ's death and the resurrection from the grave. So the things that were in place at that time are no longer in place today. The prayer given by the Lord again was a model prayer and it was not one that was to be repeated over and over and over again in rote prayer. Prior to his prayer, he warned this, Matthew 6, verse 7, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. The prayer was given before Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Therefore, we cannot pray for the kingdom to come, but we can still pray for the kingdom to be spread. So we have to understand that the kingdom is with us. And Christ was praying for that kingdom to come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But in today's world, we're members of Christ's church, His kingdom, and we pray for the furtherance of the kingdom. And it was established in Acts chapter 2 verse 41 with about 3,000 people. And since it was established, now we work simply for it to be spread. The Lord closed the prayer in Matthew with Amen. Being with them personally, He didn't have to, uh, He wasn't going to pray by His authority, but He would pray, and so He closed it uh, with Amen. Since His death and through His instruction, we close our prayers in the name of Jesus. That means by His authority. So when we, when we listen to someone lead us in uh, uh, public prayer, they'll end their prayer within Christ's name or in the name of Jesus or whatever the case may be, identifying that that prayer is by the authority we pray through Jesus Christ. Now there are some points in the prayer. First of all, we address our prayer to the Father. We're not praying to Jesus Himself, we're praying to the Father. He's our spiritual Father and uh, we can call Him that. Now those who live on earth today, who hold that title, they've usurped that title from God, those who do it in a religious sense. There are denominations who, uh, they're preachers, they call them priests, and they call them Father, Matthew 23, verse 9. That's usurping the authority of God. We honor the name of God because He is the Most High God, Revelation 4, 8. 
We pray for that kingdom that God had created to fill the whole earth. Hebrews 12, 28, the writer says, Wherefore we, receiving, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We have a kingdom that is everlasting, a kingdom that will never be destroyed. It will always be in existence. It will exist eternally because members of the kingdom will enter into heaven one day. We pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And for that reason, we pray for those who are in positions of power. 1 Timothy 2, verse 2. We're to pray for the kings of the kingdoms of the world. We pray for the leaders in our world today. We ought to pray for the leaders of our nation. Let's pray that they live in such a way as to honor God and that those who are in position to create laws, particularly in our own nation, that they will create laws in accordance with God's uh, will. We pray for the physical blessings in life. That's found in the model prayer. And we see that in Proverbs 38 through 9. We can go over to the New Testament, Ephesians 5 verse 20. And we see that we ask God for the physical things in this life. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but I know a brother, still know a brother, who, who taught that you couldn't pray for physical things. That if you prayed for anything physical, you were asking for a miracle. He doesn't understand the idea of providence. The notion that God continues to work in the kingdoms of men and that all good and perfect gifts, according to James, comes down from the, uh, the Father of lights who is above. So we're to ask God for those things that we need. And He expects us to do that. We pray, of course, James 5, 16, 1 John 1, 9, for the forgiveness of sin. We ask God to remove the guilt that we have, remove the sin from our account, as we repent of those sins. We pray that we can stand against Satan. Deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. We want to be able to stand firm against Satan. And uh, be able to uh, endure those times of great testing. Hebrews 12, 5 through 6. As we pray, we acknowledge the sovereignty of God. He is the ruler of heaven and earth. He's the creator of all things, Ephesians 3, 21. And again, we pray in the name of Jesus. He is our high priest. He is our one and only mediator, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. And like Jesus, we conclude our prayers with the confirmation that I agree with that. Amen. 1 Corinthians 14, 16. If someone teaches error in their prayer, and that can happen, we won't conclude on our part anyway if, if they're in our presence with a confirming amen. We're not going to do that at all. But when a prayer is offered up in the spirit in which God has commanded and in the uh, within the limits of what God has asked us to do, we'll confirm that with an amen. Now, understanding that, when we look at this example of Christ's disciples coming to Him and asking Him to teach them to pray, those men were Jews. They knew full well the, the concept of prayer. They understood and uh, why prayer was necessary. We read through the Old Testament of all kinds of prayers offered up to God by those who came before us. So they knew the purpose of prayer. So why ask Jesus to teach them to pray? 
This was uh, an idea as I was reading this passage that came to me, and I was thinking, what is the purpose of that? And I believe that those men, like Christians today, they felt inadequate at times in their prayer lives. They wanted to know how to say the right things. They wanted to know exactly what we were to pray for and how to go about doing that. Have you ever poured out your heart before God knowing you needed something in your life and you couldn't really formulate properly how to ask for that? We've all been there, haven't we? And so, as we study this prayer, I want us to begin with, what is prayer? What is prayer? What is prayer as defined by the Bible? Paul encouraged the Philippian brethren. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. When we pray to God, parts of our prayer, and the prayer is seeking something from God, going to God in conversation, asking Him something. We do it several times throughout the period when we meet to, to uh, worship God, we'll offer uh, several prayers. And so uh, part of that prayer is supplication. Supplication is a, is a request regarding something that is needful. Timothy, or Paul also told Timothy, 1 Timothy 2 beginning with 1, he said, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Now when we think of intercession, maybe we do not think necessarily uh, exactly how it is defined. We understand the concept of intercessing for one another. Uh, going to someone on behalf. But intercession is actually an interview. You interview with the person and you're asking something from them on behalf of another person. And so we want to be able to go to God and ask for something for someone else. So we're intercessing. We have only one mediator, but we have multitudes of intercessors, don't we? Christ is an intercessor, but He's the one mediator. The Holy Spirit is an intercessor. We intercess for each other. So an intercession is interviewing and requesting something. When a person sits in an interview, the person interviewing does the questioning, asks them things. And so we go before God asking things from Him and pleading for those things. Now, the biblical definition of prayer would include supplication. Intercession, Paul said giving thanks and gratitude, doing those things, going before God and being thankful. And of course it is also an act of worship, Acts 20 verse 7. But why is prayer done? Well, those who have obeyed God's gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's the way in which we communicate with our Creator, isn't it? Through prayer. And the reason for this communication to God is to ask Him for something or for things or to uh, communicate in a way that we we deliver to Him the burdens in this life. When we cannot carry them on our own, we lay them at His feet. Now, we understand, James 4 verse 2, that we cannot receive unless we first ask. And we've talked about this a lot when we go to prayer. 
uh, go to God in prayer on behalf of someone who may be ill. We need to ask for that person to be uh, made whole again. We need to pray for the doctors and the nurses and the therapists and things of that nature to, to do the things necessary and that that person will respond to that treatment. I'm never going to ask someone to simply be comforted in their dying days. Now, I may ask that along with praying and begging to God that their health be restored. But I want what, what, what we desire is that for which we should ask. And that's what God expects. Of course, John 16, 24, we understand that when asking, it must be done according to the authority of Christ. We have to ask in His name. Uh, the Catholic uh, denomination, they pray to Mary, the mother of uh, Jesus. Well, we have no authority to, to pray through Jesus or to Jesus, or uh, uh, Mary for that matter. We don't have authority to pray through Mary. We're, we're authorized to pray through Jesus. Mary was a wonderful lady. She must have been something very special for God to have specifically chosen her to carry the Savior of the world into the world, but she was simply another person in the world, one of high character and morality. There's no doubt about it. And great honor ought to be bestowed upon her, but she's not the Savior. Often, again, we go to God on behalf of someone else, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 11. And we ought to do that. We ought to lift up the names of those who, who uh, about whom we worry, those uh, for whom we show concern. We ought to lift up those names. When we go to God, we ask Him for pardon, don't we? We mentioned that a few moments ago. We'll ask for pardon for ourselves, First John 1, 9. And we'll ask for pardon on behalf of someone else, James 5, 16. We talk to God so we can praise His name, don't we? When we read about Hannah going before God and, and begging and pleading with Him to give her a child, 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10, she praised and honored the name of God. And that's what we're to do. The psalmist in Psalm 89, 5 through 14, he offered praise and honor to God, and that's an example we're to follow. Prayer is also done to simply thank God for the blessings in this life. I have to watch myself from time to time. I find myself continually asking God for something uh, that I would like to be changed for the health of someone, praying for someone. But we also have to remember we're to give thanks and be thankful to God when those prayers are answered, Psalm 66, 19 through 20. Of course, Paul said for us to be thankful in all things, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. There's another aspect of prayer that we need to understand. Prayer is offered because fellowship is sought. We're communing with God. That is one of the greatest blessings that we can enjoy as followers of God. James 4, 8 through 10, we learn that when we pray to God, we draw near to God. We draw near to God and it makes us uh, uh, come within His presence as we bow before His throne. When we pray to God, we understand that we have confident access to God. We have access to God. We should never be allowed to have access to God if uh, on our own without God's grace and His love for mankind after sin came into the world and everyone who ever followed Adam and Eve, and whoever will follow Adam and Eve, indulge in the sins of this world, and now that places creation 
in a position to never uh, have a place in the presence of God unless He allows it. And of course, Paul said, Ephesians 3.13, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. And so we have bold access. So that, those are reasons why we pray, but to whom do we pray? And that's been something that's come up of late, especially within uh, the church. Our prayers are directed to the Father. Matthew 6, verse 9. Our thanks goes to the Father. Colossians 1, 3 and three seventeen. So we address the Father in communication when we pray. Now, does that mean we're not thankful to Jesus? Absolutely not. We better be thankful to Jesus, and we're thankful to Jesus, and we offer thanks to Jesus as we address the Father. And we do that through our Lord. Now, many people in in defense uh, of praying to Jesus have have made certain statements and, and that we ought to pray to Him if we're truly going to be thankful. But Jesus said this, and in that day you shall ask me nothing. John sixteen twenty three. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, when we read through uh, the account in Acts chapter 7 of Stephen being stoned to death, and we read how he, he lifted up his eyes looking into heaven, and he saw Jesus standing there. And he addressed the Lord. And he made a made a statement to him, and, and people say, well, there you go, he was praying to Christ. I don't believe that for a second. Stephen was speaking to the Lord because he was in the presence of Jesus. He was looking at him eye to eye. He spoke to Jesus in the exact same way that Saul spoke to Jesus in Acts chapter 9. He spoke to Jesus in the exact same way that the workers uh, who labored with him during his ministry spoke to Him as they lived with Him in this earth. He had communion with Jesus because He saw them, saw Him eye to eye. And I would suggest, and I think anyone here would suggest, when you see the Lord eye to eye, speak to Him. That doesn't mean it's a prayer. So, how do we pray? How do we pray? We've talked about why we pray. To whom do we pray? But why? Or how do we pray? Well, we pray in a certain position, don't we? And I don't mean a physical position. We read throughout the Bible different physical positions in which one uh, prayed. Uh, face on the, on the ground, head bowed, head and arms lifted up. Paul talked about uh, reaching up with holy hands. That's figurative because the idea of holy hands, that's a figurative statement. Meaning clean hands, uh, not sinful hands. And so we're, but we're not talking about a physical position. I think anyone could pray to God in any position in which they find themselves. Pray at night when you're in the bed. Pray while you're driving down the road. You don't have to close your eyes when you pray, or at least when you're driving. We don't need to, do we? But we can pray from any physical position. So the position we're talking about is the position of the heart. What's the position of the heart? Matthew 6, verse 5, we're not to pray in order to uh, make ourselves look like someone who is extremely spiritual. Now, we may be extremely spiritual, but we pray out of that 
sense of urgency to God, not so people will look at us and think of us higher than they ought to. And that begins with sincerity, right? And again, we go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Some of whom Jesus spoke, they prayed so uh, the people standing around them would honor them for their great oratory skills. Prayer is not preaching, is it? Prayer is not preaching. Prayer is coming to God for supplication, for thanksgiving, for requesting something from Him. When, we, when we're led in prayer, publicly speaking, if you'll notice, the, our brethren who go to God in prayer on our behalf, they ask God for certain things, don't they? They ask God for uh, His providence to be on the health of our membership, His providence to be on the health of those who we know and love who may not even be members of the Lord's body. We ask for His providence to be on missionaries around the world, to, to bless our, our nation as as it does the right things that He would ask us to do. And so we need to do those things and not do it out of a sense of a show, right? We're not talking about preaching to God. Have you ever heard someone pray and they begin to explain to God what the Scripture says? I've heard that before in the past and, and it still amazes me when I hear it. God understands the Scripture. We don't have to preach to God. We have to understand as we pray in sincerity, what we say must be consistent with what we believe, right? Jesus said, Matthew 15, verse 8, that they, they drew near to Him with His mouth, they honored Him with their lips, but their hearts were far from Him. They were hypocritical. So in our sincerity, we go before God and what we say matches up with what we believe. How do we pray? We pray in humility. We go before God humbly, Luke 18, 10 through 14. Not like those uh, prophets of Baal as they stood on Mount Carmel and they thought they could get, get God's attention through noise and self-mutilation. They weren't being humble before their, quote, God, 1 Kings 18, 19 through 39. And so we have to come before God in humility, recognizing and understanding He is the source of all our abilities. He is the source of all the blessings in this world. And recognizing that, not like the the, rich, uh, the foolish farmer, the rich fool who looked out over what he had amassed over the years and said, look, look what I've done. I'm going to tear down my barns and build better barns and bigger barns. Like Nebuchadnezzar walking out and looking at the gardens of Babylon and and saying, all this great Babylon that I created, that's not an attitude of humility. And God expects humility. We pray in our humbleness for for acceptance of God and for confession of our faults, John, 1 John 1. And that's all seen in our humility. When we go to God in humility, we have to understand that the things for which we ask, we may have to do things in our lives to... Uh, make that possible, right? Someone may ask God for something without having a willingness to change their lifestyle. We can't ask God for forgiveness if we will not change the way we live. We have to change the way we live. Uh, we see that Matthew 6, uh, verse 12, 14 through 15, Mark eleven twenty-five through 26, asking God for forgiveness when at the same time we're not willing to forgive. So we have to be willing to change our lifestyles to fit God's parameters and be willing to forgive others as God forgives us. 
How do we pray? We pray fervently. We go before God just like Elijah, James 5 verse 17. He prayed for the rain to stop and it did stop for the space of three years and six months. A, a man of fervent prayer like Elijah. We remember the name Epaphras. Uh, Colossians 4 verse 12, Epaphras is talked about a couple of times in the New Testament. And in this particular context, Paul said that Epaphras uh, uh, labored fervently for the Colossians in prayer. So he labored fervently in prayer. Prayer is something in which we engage, something that we do. We ask God for those things. Jesus prayed uh, as uh, more earnestly, we're told, in Luke 22, verse 44. And that's the account where uh, Luke described it as he prayed more earnestly to God the Father and and as he sweat, the sweat came off of him. It was as if it were great drops of blood. The stress that was upon him and uh, uh, it's common medical uh, happening for when stress that great happens, the capillaries near the surface of the skin are apt to rupture and, and it colors the sweat. It's not huge drops of blood coming. The sweat is colored and that demonstrates the great stress under which the Lord was. Now these examples we talk about as, as fervent prayers, they're not lukewarm prayers. That's not going before God and saying, well, if, if, if you would, I'd appreciate this, but it's not really that big a deal. If, if something's worth going to God for, bringing up, it ought to be something we strongly desire. It ought to be something that we will lay out our hearts before God and ask Him fervently. But we don't just pray fervently, we pray or should pray persistently, shouldn't we? If something is worth having, it shows in our consistency in bringing that matter before the very throne of God. Luke 18, 1 through 8, the parable of the persistent widow, the unfair judge, right? She consistently and persistently came before him, finally driving him to the point. He said, I'm going to give her what she asked for because she was driving him crazy. Now the example was a contrast. If 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 a uh, a judge like that, the unjust judge, would do something for someone, what about the God of heaven who is just and righteous? If we'll go persistently before His throne, He'll give us even much more. Paul said to pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians five seventeen. That means praying without giving up, doesn't it? Romans twelve twelve. Let's. Let's consistently allow that to be a part of our life. That doesn't mean we pray 24-7. It means that prayer is a part of our lives. And we go before God. We're to be watchful in our prayers, 1 Peter 4-7. We're to pray as we are watchful, uh, expecting an answer, right? Ephesians 6-18. Watching for opportunities to allow that prayer to come about uh, as we pray for something, looking for an opportunity to make it happen. That's what happens a lot of time in our prayers. We ask for God to, to comfort individuals in some way, and we will be the answer to that prayer as we comfort them in this life. But it also means that because we, we brought up the matter before God, being watchful doesn't mean we let our guard down when it comes to Satan, Mark fourteen thirty eight. We pray with understanding. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. We pray understanding what the will of God is. Understanding 
that we're not going to pray for sinful things. We're not going to pray for something that, that God opposes. We're not going to pray to win the lottery when we go out and gamble on the lottery because that's a sin. God's not going to bless that. We need to pray with understanding. The words of our prayers must contain the meaning of our hearts and the intentions of our hearts. We have to understand for that which we pray. We have to understand what we're doing and and, and recognize the thing that we're trying to accomplish. That's why we do not recite these rote prayers, these chants, because from one day to the next, the intentions of our hearts and the needs of our minds may change, right? We may pray for someone's health. That person may go into eternity or that person may get better and we'll thank God for that. But now, today brings on a whole other set of issues that we need to go to God for. So we have to pray with understanding. We don't inflate our prayers with length to try to make it appear as if they're more significant. Again, we go back to Matthew chapter 6, 7 through 8. In fact, many of the prayers that Jesus prayed were short in length. There's not a a time limit on a prayer. It's the it's the uh, uh, position of the heart again, right? And uh, God understands that, and the person praying will understand that. When when uh, Jesus prayed, he did not pray vain repetition. He never taught his disciples to pray vain repetition. We communicate our desires with God when we pray. We pray with faith. Hebrews eleven. Verse 6, why pray if we don't believe in God? Or why pray to God if we don't believe that He'll answer that prayer in the way in which we've asked? Now, He may not. But when we go boldly before the throne of God, we should expect that for which we pray. We will receive as we believe, Matthew 21, 21 through 22. We pray thankfully. Offering thanks to God. Always giving thanks, Ephesians 5.20 and Colossians 4, verse 2. Thankfulness is a sign of respect, isn't it? God provides for us, and as a show of respect, we're thankful to Him, Luke 17, 11 through 19. Jonah recognized and was thankful to God, Jonah 2, verse 9. We, we pray with praise in mind. As we pray before God, Jesus in His model, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. He prayed with praise in mind. Give God the glory for who He is. Revelation 19.1, right? We pray to God because He is the Creator of all things. We give God the glory for His answers. When we pray and, and the result comes about, we ought to thank God for giving that to us because He did. He gave that to us. And we see Paul's example in 1 Timothy 1.16. Through 17. Now we need to keep in mind when we look at this idea of the model prayer and the things for which we pray, it wasn't a recitation of something that the Lord wanted the people to repeat over and over and over again. It was simply a model. It was an example. And from that model, we take away praying for the kingdom. We take away asking God for the physical things in this life. We pray that God will strengthen us in our faith and there are certain ways that that happens. Just like James said, if you, if you don't have wisdom and you seek wisdom, ask God who gives it abundantly. Well, we learn wisdom and gain wisdom through a study of the Word of God. So if we ask for wisdom, let's study the Bible and gain that wisdom, right? And so each prayer uh, may take a different form. Each prayer may take a different form. We may pray a simple prayer and it 
And it contained every, everybody whom we are concerned health-wise. We may simply have a prayer for that. We may pray to God and be thankful and simply offer a, a complete prayer of thankfulness for all the many things God has given to us and provided. Or we may have a prayer that includes all kinds of those things. One may pray for spiritual health, right? But we want to avoid repetitious prayers. That doesn't mean we can't ask for the same things. That's the whole idea of being persistent, right? But what we're talking about is is vain repetition. Reciting the model prayer over and over and over again. It was simply a model. And we can't pray for all the things that uh, Jesus prayed for in that prayer. We should not use a prayer as a time to preach. The one leading the prayer publicly should speak loud enough for all to hear because we're leading... the congregation in prayer. When we pray, we need to be asking God for blessings, don't we? We need to ask Him for the things that, that we're concerned with. We need to be thankful to Him for the things that, that He has provided for us. We do not need to be explaining Scripture to God. He understands the Scripture. In order to enjoy the benefits of prayer, though, we have to be a Christian first, don't we? We have to obey the gospel through faith and repentance, John 8, 24, Acts 2, 38, confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Acts 8, 37, and Paul said that brings us unto salvation, Romans 10, 10. So there's something else we need to do. We understand that. I look out over the audience, and, and we're all Christians here. And so the final step into Christ, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, is baptism. That washes our sins away, Acts 22, 16 makes us a new creature, Romans 6, 3, and 4. And then we walk in that new life and we continue to live and to pray and ask God for things, uh, uh, things of supplication, things of, of praise and honor. But when we pray as Christians, let's vocalize those things that all of us have in mind, right? We have announcements during the uh, prior to the, the worship service and we talk about people who are sick and ailing, and as we get up, uh, our brethren get up and, and our, our brothers do, and they, they pray for those people. Let's ask God. We're supposed to have supplication toward God and ask Him to receive those things and be thankful for Him. And so we do that as, as Christian. And the Christian is the one who has been granted the privilege of prayer. John 9.31, God does not hear the prayers of sinners, whether that's the alien sinner or the Christian who has become unfaithful and gone back into the world. God does not hear His prayers, meaning He does not respond to those prayers. He's not going to. If the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel had prayed to the true God of heaven to send fire down to their altar, He would not have responded to that prayer because they were sinners outside a covenant relationship with God. So what happens when that happens, when that takes place? We repent of the sins that have separated us from God, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. We ask Him to forgive us of those sins, and He will. We pray doing that. Sometimes that needs to be done publicly. Uh, Sometimes that needs to be done privately. Whatever the situation is, we need to go to God and ask Him to forgive us of those sins. We do not come to God initially through prayer, do we? But through obedience to His commandments. We talked about Saul of Tarsus earlier. In Acts chapter 9, 
he went into Damascus because the Lord said, There it will be told you what you must do. And Ananias the preacher came to him and he prayed and fasted for three days. He, did, he, ate, he neither ate nor drank. And he was still lost in his sins. Because we know in the account he recited in Acts 22 verse 16, he said, Ananias came in, taught him the gospel and said, Saul, Saul, verse 16, Why tarryest thou? Rise and be baptized, washing away thy sins. So prayer is something that is privileged especially and only for the faithful Christian. God does not react to the prayers or does not respond in answer to those prayers for those who are not faithful. If you find yourself in need to answer the Lord's invitation tonight, you feel like you've fallen away, you've come up short in some way, and you want God to forgive you, and you feel like you need to do that through a public repentance, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.